Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. What's up, Awaken? Everybody good this morning? It's been a good day already this morning. I got the chance to, uh, along with Ashley, my wife, to baptize our little Brooklyn. Um, Yeah. And I want to say thank you to to you as a church because um, we're eight years in and every single one of my my kids has been baptized at Awaken Church. And, um, you know, we don't believe that baptism is the finish line. We believe it's the beginning. So obviously we want to disciple our kids and raise them in the faith. And for every uh, A-Kids volunteer, anybody that's ever worked uh, back in A-Kids, I want to say thank you to you specifically uh, because you're helping disciple my kids. And for everyone who gives and serves and calls Awaken Church home, um, I'm blessed to be a part of Awaken Church, not just to pastor it. And uh, this is my family. This is my family's church too. So thank you. I love you so much. And uh, I want to say also for our our church today, um, we are launching back out Awaken Somerville today, uh, which is great. Last Sunday night, uh, I met with uh, about 120, uh, it was called a soft launch. What that basically means is we're kind of trial running this thing. And uh, we we met um, over in Somerville at the location and uh, there's about 120, like I said, of committed small groups ready to go out and make a difference in the community. And, you know, what's amazing is that when the Spirit of God gets a hold of about 120 people, you can do incredible things. Uh, there's a book in the Bible called Acts that records what happens with the first 120 when the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. And so we're believing that for some of it. We're believing that it's just the beginning. And uh, can we just welcome them into the room as they're worshiping even now? And... Uh, I want to invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Judges chapter 16. We're going deep into the Old Testament. Judges chapter 16, we're in a a series called Habits, where uh, several weeks ago when the new year turned, we talked about resolutions, uh, choices, decisions, and uh, how we need to develop or be people that have healthy habits that, yes, make us physically healthy, but also spiritually healthy. Right, like resolutions, somebody have resolutions to lose weight or go to the gym, uh, to eat more healthy, resolutions to get out of debt, uh, maybe you have resolutions in your marriage to have a healthier relationship with your husband or with your wife, possibly with your kids. Um, well, spiritually, the goal is and the hope of this series is that there's been some spiritual habits put into place. Last week, um, if you were here, you got a domino, everybody got a domino, and I encourage you to, to find one thing, write one thing on here that you want to get better at. Whether it's prayer, whether it's encouragement, maybe it's reading the Bible, um, serving, giving, and uh, I hope that you did that and I hope that you put that somewhere. What's pretty cool as a dad, um, had to use my sons. My sons have their own bathroom upstairs. I try to stay away from it because they're 12 and 14. And, and you don't know, I mean, it's just nasty in there, right? So that's a last resort in our house to end up there. But uh the other day I went in there and what was really cool was sitting on the, the bottom of the mirror uh, was a domino that said care. And my son Bryson, who's 12, he'd made a decision that uh, what he wanted to do was, was care more 
about people and have conversations rather than just be on his phone whenever people are hanging out or we're at the dinner table or whatever. And I thought it was pretty neat that he gets to see that every single morning when he's getting ready. So if you weren't here last week, we got dominoes for you. You can get one on the way out and uh, you can write down what it is, maybe a spiritual discipline or habit that, that God wants you to do or start this year to become more like him. I got a message on uh, Instagram two weeks ago um, from a girl named Lauren that I have yet to meet in Awakened Church. She serves in A-Kids. Lauren, we got to meet up afterwards. I need to at least see you face to face. But she stopped me a message on Instagram and said, I got this new Bible for the new year. Where do I start? Where do I start reading it? I said, well, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pick one and read a chapter a day. And, and the desire was there, but we all know desires don't mean anything. You have to have disciplines to carry them out. Lauren reached back out five days later and said, hey, it's been five days. Thank you so much. I'm learning so much. I look forward to reading the Bible. And I thought that was really cool. I thought it was really cool because as we put disciplines and habits in place, we're going to become more like Christ. And that's the goal of everybody that's in Christ. We don't make just the decision to follow Jesus and leave it there. That's the start of becoming like him, right? So if, if you don't have a domino or a habit that you thought of already, make it prayer, make a Bible reading, that's a good place to start. Today, what I want to do is focus on things that need to stop. Now, this might be as close to hellfire brimstone preaching as I ever get today, okay? Uh, but this sermon might change your life. This sermon might save your life, honestly. Um, so I, I want to I dig in. We're going to talk about a man named Samson. Y'all know who Samson is? Samson's swole. I want you to imagine the Hulk, okay? Uh, if you need a, a physical representation of that, you can, after the service, ask somebody to take you to Corey Gilliard. Corey serves on our security team. He's stacked. Or you can see my man Keith Nolan right here. He's stacked. If you're at the Somerville campus, you can check out Matt Jenkins. He's big. All right, Samson was huge. And God had given Samson supernatural strength. The Bible says that God made him I know it sounds like, you know, what is this, like Marvel Comics? He, he, made, he made Samson supernaturally strong so that he would have an edge and be able to overcome his enemies. And Samson's a man who was set apart, that God said, you're going to have this purpose, you're going to live for this cause, and Samson's life seems to be tragically going the opposite way. And that's what I'm going to look at in Judges chapter 16, because what we find out is Samson ultimately ends up putting his life in a lot of disaster and a lot of ruin because he had some habits and he made some decisions that, that, that caused him to end up in that place. It wasn't one drastic decision. It was the result of a lot of decisions. You know, I, I, I don't watch a lot of TV, but typically what I'll do is like on Netflix, I'll latch onto a, a show. Ashley and I will latch onto a show and we'll watch episodes and we'll just binge watch it. Uh, we usually get about an hour, hour and a half every night when the kids are down, and we, we pick a show. And one of these shows years ago that we watched, uh, maybe you've seen it, it was on TLC, it's called My 600-Pound Life. Anybody seen that? If you ever want to get motivated to get in shape. And uh, we, I, I remember this, this show, I remember watching this, and this one particular episode, this woman, and, and granted, I, uh, not to make light um, of eating disorders or of obesity, I'm not trying to make light of that. But I was watching this show, and I was thinking to myself, how does someone allow themselves to get to that place? I think this particular lady was like 800-something pounds. 
And they talked about the enabling and people bringing food to her. And obviously there were a lot of underlying issues. But in this particular episode, she had to go to the hospital. And it made an impression on me because when I was watching this show, they literally had the fire department come and cut the wall out of her house to take her to the hospital. And I thought to myself, like, no one ever wants to be there, right? Like, no one at, at like, 13 or 16 years old is like, I cannot wait to the day that I'm so morbidly obese, they got to cut a wall out of my house to get me to the hospital. No, no one, that's not a desire of anybody. Uh, no, no one makes a decision to, like, ruin their lives in that way. No one, for instance, no one ever says, you know what, I can't wait to ruin my family by having an affair. Like, I want my wife to hate me and the kids never talk to me again. No one, no one sets out with that goal in mind. No one says, you know what, I can't wait to end up in debt, so far in debt that I'm just living paycheck to paycheck and just paying off interest but never knocking out the principal. No, no one sets out to ruin their life. But many people end up there. And it's not, usually it's not just one decision. Yes, one decision can most definitely ruin your life. But typically it's a series of bad decisions, bad choices, bad habits, right? Listen, one combo number nine at McDonald's supersized with a Diet Coke ain't gonna mess you up. By the way, that's my go-to of choice. It's the two cheeseburgers. I just feel like I'm getting more. But you do that every single day, right? Every single day, eventually it's gonna add up. Your heart will stop, all right? So it's, it's this series of choices that end up messing people up. And we make light or even laugh about those things. But I, I, on a serious note, there may be some people even listening right now, even in the room right now. And, and even as I'm talking, you're thinking about the place where you currently are and what has gotten you to that place. And you don't see a way out. Samson, Judges chapter 16. Let me read this for you. Now, Samson went... To Gaza. Before I go any further, I want to talk about who Samson was. I told you he was huge. He was built. This story happens in a period of time in the life of Israel in the Old Testament. Um, after Moses, but before the kings. This is before King Saul, before King David, before King Solomon. This is the period of the judges. And so what happened was uh, God allowed the people to have judges that ruled over them. Their job was to enforce the law was to call them to observe and worship God. Samson was one of these judges. From a very early age, he was anointed, he was set apart. God told him that he was gonna be a judge over the people. And so Samson was in a godly and in a holy position as a leader of the country. God had set him apart and called him to this. Samson, like I said, was supernaturally strong. He had incredibly long hair, right? Not because it was cool and trendy or a man bun, right? He, he, was, he, would, he had taken what was called a Nazarite vow. God said that um, those who take a Nazarite vow, they don't cut their hair. They don't eat things that are unclean. They don't even touch things that are unclean, right? These are forbidden foods, forbidden animals, and they don't drink any wine. These were just some of the basics. This is in addition to keeping the Ten Commandments. So, so Samson was set apart. He was anointed. He was holy. And as he's the ruler of the country, he gets married, marries a, a woman named Timna. The marriage does not go good. Basically, uh, she ends up leaving him for his best man in his wedding. So he went in like a fit of rage, as you can imagine, killed a bunch of people. Samson had a, a pretty tragic rise to, to early leadership as the ruler of the country, and then he finds himself as a single man. And as a single man leading this country, 
he makes a decision in Judges chapter 16 that proves to be detrimental to him. Verse 1, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went in to her. I'm not preaching any more about that. I'm assuming y'all can follow. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and they set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. Get the picture. Samson has traveled to Gaza. Gaza is about 25 miles from where he's supposed to be. Gaza is the territory of the enemy. He has essentially crossed a line and he's in enemy territory. And he went there to sleep with a prostitute thinking nobody would know that he was there. But his enemy knew everything about him and exactly where he was. And what we find in verse 2 is they are now surrounding the place where he's staying plotting to kill him but they kept quiet all night and they said let's wait till the light of the morning and then we will kill Samson but Samson laid till midnight and at midnight he arose he got up and he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and he pulled them up bar and all and he put them on his shoulders and he carried them to the top of the hill that's in front of Hebron get the picture here real quick Samson uh, has this encounter with a prostitute. Something tells him to wake up. Either somebody told him, hey, the enemies are waiting for you outside, or he just had intuition. I better get up and get out of here. And on the way out, Samson decides, you know what? I'm gonna pick the gate up of the city, put it on my shoulders, and throw it. Y'all are like, this man is preaching nonsense up here. This is from a movie. What I want us to see is that God had, had given Samson supernatural strength to be used for God's glory. Samson here is using it in vain. Can I just, on on this moment real quick, I want to camp out on this. Some of you have incredible gifts that God has given you, and you've yet to use them for his kingdom. Some of the greatest leaders in the world do not exhibit leadership within the church. You may be out in the marketplace, and you lead a business. Uh, You may be an incredible communicator. You may be an incredible architect. Uh, You may be an incredible teacher, but you've yet to let God use your gifts for his glory. Can I just tell you that if you'll just put yourself into God's hands and say, God, use me, you'll be amazed at what he can do. Like when I'm, 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 I'm a testimony of that right now as I stand here. There is nothing that Brandon Bowers can do in and of himself. But if you just go, you know what? God, my life is yours. I put my life in your hands. Just sit back and watch the ride that he takes you on. Samson in this story is incredibly gifted by God, but he's acting in an ungodly way. He's in Gaza. And y'all, Samson should have never been in Gaza I said earlier that he had multiple habits or he made choices or made decisions that, that set him up for this failure. Uh, reading between the lines, if you just read Judges, Judges 14 through like 18, what you're gonna find in Samson's life is a man that was consumed by selfishness, consumed by lust, consumed by pride, and had a really, really, really short temper. Like think roid rage. Samson was, was a man who had a lot of power and a lot of position and a lot of strength, but there were no checks in his life. In fact, even his first wife, like when he goes to marry Timnah, one of the things that as, as an Israelite who had taken a Nazarite vow, he wasn't supposed to marry someone who wasn't an Israelite. And his dad tells him, like, Samson, maybe you shouldn't marry her. Maybe you should marry somebody that's an Israelite. And the Bible says Samson looks at his dad and says, just go get her for me. Right, the way he treats even his parents is very dishonorable and disrespectful. And when I think about Samson, I think about a guy who was 
set apart, called to be a godly leader, but he was engaged in ungodly behavior. He had gone down to Gaza. And you go, well, why in the world would, would this man who's been given essentially the kingdom, right, could have anything that he wants, why would, why would he throw all that away in this one moment, in this one decision? And the truth is, we, we easily look at Samson and go, that makes no sense, why would you do that? But y'all, people do that every single day. Like when you look at the world that we live in, people will easily throw away everything for one thing. Right, and you know the stories, you know the people. We can easily pick on like celebrities, right? I think about like a Tiger Woods. There's a documentary coming out. He's an incredible golfer, but I also remember at the height of his career, Tiger Woods ruined his career because he had an addiction that was out of check and he needed help. Threw it all away. I think about uh, Chris Farley, who was a comedian. Hilarious, right? Hilarious. You seen Tommy Boy? Fat guy in a little coat, van down by the river, throwing himself through tables. This is hilarious, by the way. At the 915 service, I, I use this example. And uh, after the service, I had a couple walk up. He said, thanks for the shout out. My name's Chris Farley. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. You never know who's in church. Um, but no, Chris Farley, the comedian, right? Like this, probably one of the most prized comedians of all time, but he had an addiction. He was addicted to drugs and died at a young age. I think about the Whitney Houstons of the world. Incredible voice, right? She's trying so hard to sing like Zoe and just can't quite hit the lyrics. But Whitney Houston, a drug addiction, lost her life at a young age. And you go, those are big celebrities. Listen, I know, I know pastors. I personally know pastors, ministry leaders, who've lost their churches, lost their callings. Why? Because they chased after these sinful desires. They had bad habits that grew, right? You go, that's just a little, little decision. It's a little habit. Y'all, everything little grows. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. And if you keep feeding that little choice or you feed that little habit, eventually that thing grows up. And it gets bigger than you and it consumes you. And what I want us to see in Samson's life, Samson had these little things that grew up over time all the way to this point in Judges 16 where he goes, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take Samson, leave him an Israelite. He's a leader over here. I'll go to a place 25 miles away to commit the sin that I want to commit. Y'all, 25 miles is a long way to walk and be thinking about the sins that you're plotting out. 25 miles is a long time to think about, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do, maybe I could turn around. Maybe I should go back. But, but sin has a way of captivating our hearts. You go, well, you're talking about habits. Why are you talking about sin? Because I'm talking about spiritual habits in the room. I'm talking about the fact that maybe somebody's listening right now and you've got some kind of substance addiction that nobody knows about. And, it, and it's ruining you. Or maybe you're, you're, you're Gaza, right? Because Samson's going to Gaza. Maybe, maybe your Gaza is just a mindset that's so negative and so critical that you're isolating everybody else from your life. Maybe your Gaza is some kind of addiction to alcohol or to drugs. And today you need help. You need help. I don't want you to live in shame with that addiction, but I want you to reach out and get help. Because if you stay over here in Gaza, it's the enemy's territory. And Samson found that out pretty quickly. Maybe your Gaza is some kind of ideology, political ideology. Y'all look, it's a crazy time in the life of our country. This is a crazy week in the life of our country. Some of you are rolling into this week going, man, I got so much anxiety, so much heartache because who's gonna be the president or who's not gonna be the president or how things didn't go your way or did go your way. Listen, and are, are they gonna take my guns and my, are they gonna take my bulletproof vest or not? And all caught up in all these rights. But I wanna remind us today 
that Gaza is the place, when I say Gaza, Gaza is whatever it is in your life that leads you away from where God needs you to be and puts you in a place where the enemy can have his way with you. That's what Gaza is. And the title of this message today is Get Rid of Your Gaza. Get rid of your Gaza. James 1.21 says this. James was Jesus' brother. And James tells us towards the end of his life, he says, get rid of all the filth and all the evil in your lives. I told you when I started, today we're talking about stopping certain things. There's some things going on in your life that you need to stop. I'm not talking about just what you eat. I'm not talking about just what you post. I'm talking spiritual things. There's some sins maybe in your life that need to stop today because it's leading you to a place that God never intended for you to be. James says, get rid of all the filth and all the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. And don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Young people, that's a great line. Don't just listen to God's word. You can come here every single week and listen to me preach this word. It will do nothing for you unless you do what it says. Don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You're only fooling yourselves. Samson goes to Gaza, has relations with a prostitute on the way out, decides he's going to power clean and jerk the city gates, throws them up on a hill, and then he goes home. And he, and he really thinks that has no effect on him. Keep in mind, nothing really happened to Samson in that moment, right? He leaves the city thinking, hey, I got away with it. I've escaped destruction. And he goes back home, and when he goes back home, he falls in love with this woman named Delilah. And we, we know about Delilah. She's painted as a picture of this woman that ruined his life. The truth is, all, all that she was was the culmination of really the, the sinful and lustful desires that Samson had in his heart. He wasn't in love with Delilah. He lusted after Delilah, right? And we're told that they got engaged in a relationship. She probably moved in with him, right? So they have this ongoing, committed relationship, which, by the way, can I tell you that God doesn't honor that either? Sometimes we read, oh, he slept with a prostitute, but we think somehow if there's an ongoing committed relationship and there's a sexual relationship, that that's okay. Listen, any, any sexual behavior outside of marriage, God does not bless or ordain. I don't care if it's heterosexual, homosexual, asexual, whatever. God says that I'm gonna bless what I created within the confines of where it was meant to be carried out. Samson has a low view of God's word and God's instruction. And Samson's living that way. And if I can be really direct with the church, if I had to say, this is what I think the issue is with Christianity in America, if I had to put a finger on it, it would be right here. And that is that even though Samson knew why God created him, even though Samson knew the call in his life, and even though Samson knew the word of God, because he was meant to enforce it, Samson had a minimized view of God's word. In other words, he believed in scripture light, right? He believed in like, yeah, I believe it, but maybe a watered down version of it. For instance, I love Cool Whip. My wife tells me I'm weird because I like Cool Whip. Somehow I think if I get Cool Whip light, that it's healthier. Isn't that weird? I freeze it, eat it like ice cream. I know it's weird. I'm trying my best. There's, there's, a, there's a version of, of Christianity light. In other words, um, I'll, I'll make a statement or throw out some fortune cookie faith phrase 
that sounds pretty good, but it's not actually scripture. I can say something that you may want to post or go, hmm, that sounds good, or, you know, and, 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 but it's not actually God's word. It's a minimized view of God's word. It's, or, or looking at the truth of the Bible and going, yeah, that's, that made a lot of sense in like 60 AD, but listen, pastor, we're in 2021 AD. Culture and times have changed. Listen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and this truth is not meant to be altered. Scripture light will not help you. The word light will not help you. Samson, look at what happened in in chapter 16, verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorak, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to Delilah, and they said to her, Hey, seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So the, the Philistines, the enemy, uh, they come to Delilah and they say, hey, Delilah, look, we know good and well you're in Samson's ear. They knew Samson's weakness because they remembered, hey, Samson traveled 25 miles to sleep with a woman. If we can just get to her, we can get to him. Can I tell you, whatever your Gaza is, whatever your place in life is that causes you to sin, the enemy already knows about it. It's not a secret from him. He knows everything about it and he'll use it to bring you down. And that's exactly what he does in Samson's life. He looks and goes, look, we know good and well he will do anything for this woman, Delilah. So Delilah, I want to use you. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. He says, let me find it. Your adversary or your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to to devour that picture that the visual of these enemies staked out outside of Samson's house waiting to destroy him that picture of like a lion ready to pounce and destroy you can i just tell you we we believe as christians and maybe this is new information for some of you as christians we're engaged in spiritual warfare what that means is yes we sing about it you know I'm going to see a victory or where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the, hey, look, I believe all that. But nobody wants to write a song about, hey, the enemy's trying to kill you. You know what I'm saying? That didn't do real good for a worship song. It's not really inspiring or motivating. Maybe we need to write something like that, Andrew. But the truth is, while, while yes, God is for us, and yes, Jesus came and died for us, and yes, there are perfect plans in place for us, there is also an enemy over here going, I want to take you out. I want to take you out. I got word just this past week of a couple planting a church. Incredibly gifted couple, incredibly powerful couple, incredible launch to their church, and it's done. Didn't even make it six months. You know why? Because the mayor is dissolved. Because the enemy said, I'm going to take that thing out. And because of substance abuse and marital problems, the thing just decimated. There is no church. Here's the reality. It doesn't matter if you're a parent, a politician, a pastor, a business leader, a student. The enemy doesn't care and he doesn't discriminate. He just wants to destroy you. And if he can find that area of weakness, whatever your Gaza is, and exploit it, he will bring you down. Samson is evidence of that. That's why James says, get rid of all the filth and all the evil in your lives. Today, I want to encourage you, whatever your Gaza is, get rid of it. Get rid of your Gaza, the mindset, the addiction, substance abuse, the relationship. Women, 
can I talk to you for a minute? If you're messaging somebody that's not your husband, stop. Husbands, can I tell you something? If you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, stop. Get rid of whatever Gaza is. Use this as a warning. God using me as a mouthpiece. Go back home. If someone would have told Samson, Samson, turn around, go back home, he would have never ended up in Gaza. His enemies would have never plotted to destroy him, and they would have never got to Delilah to get in his ear. But his enemies get to Delilah, they say, hey, find out what it is that's the secret of his strength, because if we can cut off his strength, we can kill him. Like, we'll arrest him, we'll jump him, we'll arrest him, we'll bind him, but we just, he's huge. Delilah's like, I'll find out, I'll find out. And she eventually asks over and over and over and over again. And finally, Samson tells her, it's my hair. Because his hair was symbolic of his commitment to the Lord. And so once his hair gets cut, Samson's strength goes out from his body. And his enemies are able to overtake him. And Samson gets taken captive. And it's this tragic scene at the end of his life where not only is he, is he weakened, he loses his strength, but they gouge his eyes out. He's put in prison. And it's a very sad situation because you go, someone who had so much promise ends up like that? Why? Can I just tell you, it was the decisions and the habits and the lifestyle that he had cultivated that led to that place, that led to that decision, that led to him jeopardizing everything for this woman. But it started, listen to this, don't miss this. It started way back in Samson's life because he minimized, he had a low view of God's instruction for him. In Judges 14, if you look at Judges 14, I'm not gonna read it for us right now, but there was a very clear command on him as a Nazarite. Don't touch or eat anything unclean. Don't drink wine, right? These are things, Samson, you stay away from at all. Don't commit murder, Like, even though you've got all this strength, don't do these things. Well, in Judges 14, in one chapter, we find Samson traveling from one place to another, and he sees this lion that's dead. And in this lion, there was like this honeycomb. The bees had come in and like produced honey. And Samson, knowing that this was something he's not supposed to do, reaches in, takes the honey, and eats it. Then he goes to a wedding. Same chapter. Goes to a wedding. When he goes to the wedding, what does he do? We can read between the lines at the wedding, realize that that he drank wine, And then in a fit of rage, kills a bunch of men, right? You go, well, this is a man that's not acting in accordance with what God called him to do. That's what will happen if you have a low view of scripture. If you look at God's instructions and go, yeah, that doesn't really apply to me, or I won't really do that, then what happens is you end up cultivating a lifestyle or developing spiritual habits that are not reflective of who God wants you to be. It all starts with a minimizing mindset. So here's Samson at the end of his life, And this is what they decide to do with Samson. They want to parade his destruction for people. And so there's this picture where Samson is put in shackles and he's actually attached to these two columns, right? Called the colonnade and he's got, his hands are on these two pillars. He's got no eyes. You can imagine what he looks like. And and, and they're wanting to just have themselves as the enemy laugh and mock and ridicule and make fun of this man who was once so powerful. He's a shadow of who he used to be. And in this moment, like most people, I think, most people, if they got to that place, they would have already given up, right? I ruined it. I had so much promise, had so much potential. Potential's a weird word, isn't it? Like when you're 17 and somebody goes, you got so much potential, it's so good. But when you're 45 and somebody goes, you had so much potential, it's not real good. 
I think most people, if they were Samson, would go, you know what, I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. I was talking to a lady this past week who's recently moved to the Charleston area, really, really to get a new start, I think, in life. Kids live here. And we were having this conversation, and for almost 30 years, she was married. Marriage didn't end well. And long story short, I could feel the sense of like regret in the conversation about where to get connected in the church and what the next step would be and how do I move forward. Essentially, it was just like, I don't really know where to go or how to start or what to do now. And I was just reminded in this conversation, like, look, you, you might be divorced and there may be some regrets, but here's the deal. God's not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. And I'm just fearful that too many people, and you know, listen, you don't have to be 55 or 60 years old. There's 22-year-olds that have given up on life. Thinking, you know what, because of my decisions, I'm too far gone, God can't use me, so I'll just exist. Or I'll come to church and I'll sit in the back with no expectation that God could ever do anything for my life. Can I just tell you that Samson, at his darkest moment, what we find in this story, is Samson chained to these columns, knowing the regrets, I'm sure he had them. Samson cries out to God in that moment, And this is what he asked for. He says, give me strength just one more time. Just one more time, because the purpose, the purpose for which Samson had strength was to destroy the enemy. And Samson in that moment realizes, if God will just empower me right now, I'll bring this whole house down. And y'all, that's exactly what happened. And it's a beautiful reminder that even at your worst, if you're willing to call out to God, God's still faithful to you. And it's a reminder that even though we abandon God and we run and we stray and we make dumb decisions, God's always there for us. He's always an anchor and he's always a rock. He doesn't endorse the things that we do, but he can completely forgive them and redeem them. And that's exactly what happened in Samson's life. God says, yeah, look, everything that you did, Samson, it was definitely out of my will. But what the enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. And at the end of his day, God's purposes prevailed. And Samson was used in a mighty way by God. Can I just tell you, if you're here today, whatever, whatever situation you're currently in, your situation, it is not your destination. God's still got plans for you. And you might be divorced in this building. You might be estranged from your wife or your husband. You might be in a place of addiction this morning where you can't see a way out. You may be carrying guilt up in this place because of a lifestyle that took you astray. You might be depressed this morning. Whatever your, your destination is right now, Just know that God is not wanting to leave you there, but you have to want to get out of there. And you got to cry out to him. He's listening. He's always faithful and he's always listening. And all it takes is one cry. God, forgive me. God, redeem me. God, save me. God, remind me of who I am. Samson in his last moments remembered who he was. And that enabled him to do what he needed to do. And God came through on his behalf. I believe today, and like I said, I think this message can be life-saving for some of you. It's a very good chance in a room this size, in a room this size this morning, and in Somerville right now, in those worshiping online, there's probably somebody listening that's got some destructive stuff going on. And today, you need to hear this from the Lord. Stop. Get rid of whatever Gaza is in your life. And maybe what you write on one of those next step cards today is you just say, I need help with... And you just put a fill in the blank. Or maybe today after the service, you go to somebody and you say, hey, I need to have a conversation. Or maybe it's just you sitting before the Lord today saying, God, I need you more than anything else. I need forgiveness. I need a new start. Whatever it may be, I want to encourage you in this year of habits 
and new decisions and new starts, think about today what it is you need to get rid of in your life. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word and I thank you for the reminder that even when we're unfaithful to you, you remain faithful to us. God, I pray even now as there's reflection taking place, whatever the decisions or habits or choices are that may be plaguing people in this moment, God, I pray today they would see a way out and they would understand that's coming directly to you. And so God, I ask in this moment that prayers would go up that there would be resolve, there would be decisions to change lifestyles, change behaviors, and possibly even change nature altogether by giving their life to you. So God, in this moment, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would work in the way that only you can. Lead us to be people who more reflect who you want us to be. It's in Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. And I, I, I wanna share one more thing. I just called off the band. Repent, repent is a big word. And oftentimes it gets confusing. To repent of your sins, this is literally what it means. Repentance means you're living your life walking in this direction, away from the Lord. Repent means literally a changing the way that you think. It means that you stop going this way and you turn and you go back the other way. And, and maybe today what God might be calling some of you to is just to stop. Stop walking where you're walking and come back home. Come back home. And I want you to know that when you do, he stands ready with open arms because he's a good father. Amen. Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you.